You're listening to the B-Side Podcast on Brick Radio. If you like what you hear or think there's an artist or band we should have in the studio, let us know in the comments. Otherwise, sit back, relax, tune in, and turn on. Someone once said that music washes away from the soul the dust of everyday life. Music has the power to take our soul to times and places beyond explanation. And tonight's guest is an old soul who conjures the dust of ancestors with a futuristic musical vigor. Often recognized for her Grammy-winning co-writing credits, Kendra Foster has been busy recording her sophomore album and recently released her latest single, Promise to Stay Here. I'm your host, Tiaya Smart Young, and I want you to stay right here because Kendra is ready to take us to the past, the present, and the Afro future right here on B-Side. I'm not going to take it anymore, no, I'm not going to take it anymore. Drowning me in your weak duplicity, finish the job with random hypocrisy. No, I'm not going to take it anymore, no, I'm not going to take it anymore. We Hey, the awesome band is Don't Paul Bloom yes. on keys. John Tony, my brother from way back in FAMU days. John Tony on bass. And Tim Smith, the awesome Tim Smith on drums. That is the band. Excellent. Thank you. Well, welcome to B-Side. And you mentioned FAMU, so we have to have our HBCU moment. Yes, most definitely. I went to Johnson C. Smith University. Oh. Shout out to the Golden Bulls. And we want to shout out to those Rattlers. To I the know, Rattlers. We have here, right? Hello, hello. We have Rattlers. Rattlers. There we go. Strike. There we go. And strike again. So I want to know, how does a person who is a math and chemistry major at FAMU <laughs> now decide that they are going to be a jazz studies and commercial music music major. How does that happen? <laughs> oh my goodness, it happens when your good friend and mentor, Whitney Russell, says, if this is what you want to do, you don't want to have a backup plan because you'll be inclined to fall back. You want to dive forward, spend most of your time studying what it is you really want to spend your life doing. If you got to get the piece of paper, then submerge yourself in music all day long. Okay, but then you also have a background in ballet. You studied ballet for 11 years, so how come the ballet thing didn't happen? Oh my goodness. So yeah, in my last year of ballet, I was supposed to do an excerpt from Les Sophies, and um, it was on point and all that stuff, and I had an injury, 
And so when I went into college, I, I saw Orcas' contemporary dance theater perform, and they were amazing, and they're more diasporic dance and modern. So I dove straight into that world and kind of, you know, put the ballerina to the side. Okay. So next you're going to tell me that you paint and you draw and you write poetry. A little bit. <laughs> you just, I don't just, act. I'm working. I want to work on just, that one day. A renaissance woman. But what, how did you get into jazz though? Oh my goodness. It's such a weird track into jazz. With the exception of my father being a jazz aficionado and as he puts it, he used to bounce me around a Coltrane when I was a baby. I actually loved musicals when I was young and in some weird way, the music of them transitioned me somewhere into jazz because I still felt like there was that sound of a certain time and still a theatrical element to it. Okay. Yeah. So you're going to give us maybe a musical in the future. <laughs> We're going to see you on Broadway. <laughs> you know remake. what? That's not a bad idea. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I like that. I think I would love to do a musical. Me and one of my musical theater guys, Vincent Burwell, we want to do the musical of Parliament Funkadelic. That would be hot. Yeah. I sound like some delics in the house over here, okay? <laughs> now, you were super busy in college. Like, when I was doing my research, I was like, how is she in three bands, like Fish and Grits? And you had a band called Concept, and you were working. So you're hustling back and forth. How did you accomplish all these things, and what lessons did you learn? Oh my goodness. Well, I had a need for my upbringing to be kind of stable. So I felt like the job had to be in place and if no opportunity to come I should stay in school at least and work on the degree while I still had scholarships and then there was that really large desire to really ultimately do something in the arts or music and I think that's what pushed me in between going to work and going to school to like drive 20 miles outside of Tallahassee Florida to go to Georgia studio maybe at any time of night with no street lights no radio in my car my 85 Toyota Corolla with the boom box in the back but I just think it was the rooted I was rooted and I was able to kind of just take the rooting to go with the adrenaline to like rise and try to push towards my dreams. Okay, well that was a perfect segue <laughs> into some more music. Set up the next two songs for us. Give us a little hint about what we're going to hear. Oh my goodness. So the next two songs, one of them is the new single that is out, my Promise jam, to Stay Here. And other song is called Understand It, but the working title was pun de fun, and my manager wanted to stick with that title because he's, he's, he's half Jamaican. With Promise, what inspired that? Oh my. like there's a story behind that song. Oh yes, most definitely. Um, the music, of course, was sonically inspired by Shaka Khan, Circa era, Rufus era, but I was in love, and I was in a long-distance love affair with somebody that was younger than me, and. I thought that he was the one though, as we often do along the way down our path. And so that was just about that love that you feel when you think somebody is the one. And it kind of beckons you to want to offer everything you have good of yourself for them to stay. And you're asking them to promise to do the same thing. All right. Well, thank you for the story. <laughs> I think we're ready to hear promise to stay here. All right.
do a little solo. This is how I do, I have to put it in, even if we're on the B-side. So we have Mr. Paul Bloom. For that. Now I'm not sure if everybody knows, but George Clinton has a studio in Tallahassee, and you were working there. You said driving late at night. Yes, it was then dark. it was in Monticello, Florida, which you can already get an idea of how far off the woods <laughs> that might be. So you were there working, and you're like influenced by the greats. And how does this now influence your recording and your music? Oh my God, in so many ways, George taught me so many things really about recording, because it's a whole nother kind of art. But just as far as exploring all the characters of my voice, you know, not just sticking to pretty and smooth all the time, but bringing in other, exploring all the sides of me. And I think, and in recording, just keeping me in the trenches of recording always in the studio and getting used to how that feels when the red button goes on and the different mic experience, mic control it requires. Were you at all intimidated? Extremely. <laughs> on level 10 or what? Yeah, level 100,000. When I first finally met George, I had been coming out to the studio for a little bit, but they tour so much, it's still to this day. So when I first met him, I mean, you can imagine this person is historical, so I was extremely intimidated, extremely. Okay. <laughs> but how did it get to the point, because obviously, he heard somebody said, oh, you need to check out Kendra because she's good. <laughs> and you got signed to a deal with him. So how did that happen? Yes, well, I think, and you know, he tells me later that besides just musically and one particular song, and I don't even remember what it was called that made him really decide to sign me, but he said also the dedication of coming out in between school, falling asleep in a chair, trying to do my theory homework while waiting on a chance for the mic, because he said that reminded him 
of them, P-Funk, during United Sound Days, and everybody would fall asleep in the same room and wake up when it was their turn, and they would just be so in it like that. So I guess between him just hearing the music over time and just seeing kind of how I went about it and whatever it is that he saw enough to decide to sign me to a production deal, that's how it came about. And it took up to about a year for that all to come about. Okay. And before this experience, did you consider yourself to be a Delic? You know, an Adelic, I would almost have to ask George to really explain that, but I think a true Delic is someone who is open to a lot, so you're not very close-minded. I think you're a risk taker when you're a Delic. You're fantastic and you're masterful. <laughs> I actually didn't even know about the funk like that until like a few years before I met George and my one of my other mentors, Michael Mike P. Patterson, taught me all about it and I went down this rabbit hole. And I went from like a kind of a jazz country, country not jazz country music, but a country bouge little girl. Okay. <laughs> With jazz and R&B and a touch of hip hop to like learning, getting just kind of blown away by the funk. I would think I was already very artsy and open-minded and eclectic and a wildflower. So it was just waiting on me. Okay. Like Alice in Wonderland. Okay. <laughs> You're such a student of music. Now, what about the other side? Are you into the business of it? Woo! Yes, most definitely. As a matter of fact, my slogan is, you can mess with my heart, but don't mess with my intellectual property. Okay. My mom has taught me a long time ago, black and white, get it in black and white, and you have to be aware contractually what you're doing. A lot of things are flashy and exciting, but you really want to make sure of any terms, of any agreement in life, from relationships to binding agreements, whether your business is concerned. It was important to me because also, this is not an obviously practical or stable business. So I felt like in order to turn it into a livelihood and survive on it, I really had to learn how to make it so, you know, how to make it really an honest revenue stream. And that involves really learning the business as much as you can. And I would advise it to any artist because your art is worth it. Your art is worth the protection of its value and it's worth you living off of it when you bring it to everybody else in the world. All right. Well, can you set up the next song for us? And sure again, can. give us that story. Tell us, tell us what inspired. Oh my goodness, so I think at this point, Sweeta... <laughs> I was gonna say, because what happened to Pondaphone? <laughs> That's Pondaphone, we just performed. Okay, Understand so, it and Pondaphone are one and the same. Okay, they have two you. personalities. It's flash, gotcha. Yes, okay. so the next song is called Sweeta. It is about that point where you realize maybe you've made a lot of mistakes, or that point where life has built up too far off of a lot of many decisions or sometimes bad, but wherever you are, you're basically kind of broken down. But it's that you look at those mistakes and you try to love yourself enough to accept them and to learn and to make sure that you move forward. And the only way you can do that is by having that accountable, kind of painful moment, but you just gotta know that is sweet on the other side. As long as you do the work, you know, you will have the victory.
the path of the righteous and I'm gonna cherish truth and clarity at all times. Listen to the little voice in my spirit and I remind myself that I'm worthy of love. Now we have to talk about D'Angelo. <laughs> the Accomplable. Yes, because you wrote eight of the 12, co-wrote eight of the 12 songs on Black Messiah, which is incredible. So congratulations Thank for that. you. And got some Grammys <laughs> to show off, right? Thank so all your friends you. and family. <laughs> but now when you write these, like, now like, oh, I have these Grammys. I can just get oh, these songs child, out. <laughs> now I want some more. <laughs> when you sit down to write now, do you try to put that out of your head? Because that's like the industry accomplishment that most musicians and singers want. I guess I never really did because I think that it's a beautiful accolade. It's a very serious accolade, but it never determines the value of a person's art. But 
because it is the most prestigious accolade <laughs> in my industry and it is chosen by your peers of expertise and it's a beautiful thing but I will say this somebody will listen to what I'm writing because you know there's so many times I've written and written and written and you don't know if it's gonna take or if this person's gonna like this or if they're even gonna listen to it in the first place. Yes, I've heard you've thrown a lot of songs in the trash. <laughs> is that true? What a lot of songs in the trash because you weren't sure if they were oh, good. Oh yes I have yes I have and I still do or they just sit in a vault in my computer but you know it's that knowing now maybe because people regard that award so highly maybe they'll be a little more inclined to listen to the writing I think they will <laughs> definitely so now George Clinton D'Angelo you have such strong influences there how do you preserve your sound though I used to wonder about how was I gonna know my sound as I was growing up and I think what happens is, you know, especially when you have a lot of influences, which is kind of lucky when you have multiple, it's hard for someone to directly trace your one, one thing. And even if you only have one influence and someone could see that clearly and see that that inspired you, I think everybody's voice magically breaks through. Your own voice comes through no matter what. And I think, you know, that's a beautiful truth because you can't help but be influenced. I think it'd be pretty hard not to be influenced. So yeah, you break through. <laughs> on your self-titled album, Kendra Foster, do you have any features or people who, who, who you're collaborating with on the album? No features like in the feature sense. It's really me and uh, the producer, Kelvin Wooten, one of my very best friends, my liver and my kidney sonically. And I guess there's a feature in the form of a producer because okay. the one song that wasn't produced by Kelvin Wooten was produced by Jermaine Holmes, my fellow Vanguard vocal member. You've seen him up on stage a billion times with D'Angelo, so yeah. And tell everybody when the album is coming out so we can all get it. Well, you know, it is by Independent Project and we're going through tech dips, but it, is, it will be available very, very soon. Okay. I yes. wanted to ask you because before you were doing an album called The Arrival. Um, okay, so that's what we kind of decided we thought we were going to call it when I was running a Kickstarter for right, I was gonna ask a you about couple that. years ago. Okay. So a lot of these things have been in the womb for a while, so we ran a Kickstarter. We were like, what are we going to call it? I still haven't come up with a name. I wanted to call it Cathartic-isms, but I got a lot of sad eyes from everybody. <laughs> and it, I think the audience is like, yeah, that was a good idea not to do that one. But we skipped all the possible titles, and I was just like, look, I'm just gonna self-title it. I can't. I, I can't come up with something that would be as profound as not saying my name is so profound, but that just would be the title. So we could just call it Kendra Foster. Okay. And did some of the songs? Because I know you had a bunch of music, something like 50 songs originally. Did any okay. of those songs end up being on the Kendra Foster? Yes, a, a lot because Wooten and I created 22 together. Okay. So. Ten of those made it. Okay, okay. <laughs> You've done a lot in the past, I want to say five years and even before that. What do you think is one of the biggest lessons that you've learned about yourself and about your music? So two-part question now. Mm. Well, I'll say it also turns into a one-part question because it's the same for both. To thine own self be true. Okay. <laughs> I was learning, you know, I gotta be myself. There's so many different things out there and there's so many ways to be. There's a woman that I want to be and that I want the world to see and I think that I've just learned I've gotta be okay with who I am and okay. really what I love and how I feel at any given point in time and 
that's a tough thing to do in this world. <laughs> okay, absolutely. Yeah. So keeping in line with our womanhood theme that you started, <laughs> tell us about being the only woman on the tour with D'Angelo. Oh man, you know, it was awesome. I mean, I have to be honest. <laughs> I enjoy it. It's kind of cool because I've always in my real life have been the big sister. So I got to be kind of the little big sister to some. And I think a lot of folk would be like, wow, you're like the only girl. How does those guys are awesome, man. They're my brothers, they're my soldiers, they're my kings, my knights, my princes, and I loved it. I love being the baby girl. <laughs> Were they super protective of you? Yes, very. Very extremely, extremely. We're all we're all protective uh -oh. of you each other. That's not the story. Yeah, no, I mean I I'm just imagining all the time like, wait, sis, you know, hold on, we can't let you go out there just yet or whatever. But it's just like a band of brothers. And I'm the only girl. <laughs> okay. Well, let's get ready for the next song. Yes. And is this, are we close to the second to the last song? We are close. This song, I knew that I had done something when I came home and my roommate was making love all night with my song. from the past to the future and now we've been propelled into the present because we are out of time. Thank you Kendra for ushering this musical probe. Be sure to pick up Kendra's new album when it's released wherever you buy or stream music and keep up with Kendra on Instagram and Twitter 
at Ms. That's M-Z, Kendra Foster. I'm T.I.S. Smart Young, and I hope you had a good time with us. Be sure to check in or stop by Brickhouse Studio every Thursday to hear more music, the best music, actually, that Brooklyn has to offer. And you can check out this and past episodes anytime at youtube.com slash bricktv. All right, Kendra, take us away one more time. The B-Side Podcast is produced by Charlie Hoxie, Keisha Cole, Roe Johnson, and Sasha Mathias. Recorded by Onel Mulet and edited by Emily Bogosian. For more information on B-Side and all Brick Radio podcasts, visit brickartsmedia.org slash radio. I've been around around a few times.